वेलकम टू ट्रांजिशन गैजेस थ्री सिक्सटीज गेमिंग एंड पॉप कल्चर पॉडकास्ट टूडे इज अ वेरी वेरी स्पेशल एपिसोड आई फील लाइक आई से दिस एवरी टाइम बट दिस टाइम इट्स डेफिनेटली अ रियली स्पेशल एपिसोड बिकॉज इट्स एपिसोड नंबर फिफ्टी एंड वी आर गोइंग टू बी टॉकिंग अबाउट आर टॉप टेन फेवरेट गेम्स ऑफ ट्वेंटी सेवेंटीन सो टू टॉक अबाउट दिस वी हैव एन ऑनसमबल कास्ट फीचरिंग सम ऑफ द टॉप माइंड ऑफ गैजेस थ्री सिक्सटी स्टार्टिंग विद गेम्स एडिटर ऋषि अलवानी या दिस पॉडकास्ट मोर रियल देन कॉपेड ऑन आई ओ एस सॉप Mm. and our pop culture nerd akhil arora hey everyone and friend of the podcast mikhail madnani yes made it through 50 episodes <laughs> yep We somehow unbelievable and i'm your host pranay parab achievement so, unlocked so uh, i think except mikhail everyone here has reviewed games for gadget 360 and mikhail regularly writes for a bunch of other sites so he's also an expert game reviewer yeah seemingly Yeah, I mean his Twitter uh, handle is Xbox P3. You know he's yeah. legit. Yeah, and he only plays games I, on. I did do. I I did write a few things for Gadgets 360 before though. Yeah. So yeah. okay, that also counts. Cool. Uh, right then. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna we have already made a list of our top ten favorite games. So we are going to be going through them in reverse order and picking our top ten from this year. But before we do that, I think we should just maybe like give an overview of. what happened in um, gaming this year you know perhaps pick our favorite games and then start with our with our list yeah i mean so 2017 started super strong we had a uh, it, i mean the, the the beginning of the year saw some awesome rumors around nintendo and the nintendo switch which for which a lot of which came true uh we we had aside from that uh, there were a lot of good single player titles in the first half of the year uh zelda persona yakuza to name a few and uh towards the sec- and then we had e3 which was amazing this time around simply because uh, well we had xbox copy which finally got a name xbox one x which finally got a price and release date uh and we also saw microsoft bring in xbox originals but at the same time while microsoft was focusing on the tech sony was basically releasing an onslaught of games so through through the year we've seen a stellar number of titles from sony we've seen horizon we've seen uncharted we've seen gt sport and we've seen them double down on vr as well in fact vr has been doing surprisingly well for them but then again vr doing well is different from a console doing well thankfully the ps4 has been doing yeah it's like what 2 million to 70 million something 2.2 like that. to 78.6 that's doing well considered for yeah, vr for yeah for vr yeah because yeah. it's like double of i think oculus and vive combined yep, obviously yep. it's not obviously as the, much as the pricing ma- matters a lot yeah in that sense i mean the, even with the price coming down it's still not made so much of a difference to the others but like obviously ps vr has a long way to go before it reaches gear vr yeah which is probably like the number one vr headset right now yeah uh, and speaking of vr i think india also saw uh, vive being made available Finally, ridiculous price. Uh, yeah, a horrible, ridiculous price. And also, in more India stuff, uh, our man Akhil discovered that uh, that that GeForce streaming is available. GeForce Now is available in India uh, with India pricing through a gateway. Though Nvidia doesn't want to talk about it still, uh, or make Shield available. Hmm. And uh, we've also seen uh, price hikes on PS Plus, Xbox Live. And yeah, it's it's becoming a little mercenary, but I mean, still okay compared to the rest of the world. And also, uh, we've also seen a lot of game prices slowly increase, or we're going to probably see more increases next year because uh, a lot of publishers have been like pushing the three four nine nine, which is which used to be the standard sixty dollar conversion for India for AAA games, to like three seven nine nine, three triple nine, and in some cases like Ashes Cricket, like what was it four one nine nine or so something? So four two nine nine at launch three days later three one nine nine. Yeah, so. Uh, expect plus, like game publishers going back to their original pricing on Steam as well. Yes, yeah. yes, that's a that's a that's very a important thing, thing because uh, even smaller publishers uh, like UFO Interactive that does ports of uh, shmups like Raiden Three, Four, and uh, now Five, uh, the previous two had very good India specific pricing, and the new one came with almost a direct conversion. Capcom. Uh, Capcom games on Steam, in fact, have become more expensive than literally every other place in the world. Like Okami, yeah, HD is the like most Steam expensive. Yeah, I went to Steam DB and like uh, India was actually above US now, which makes no sense. Yeah, uh, India, India is above US and UK. And what <laughs> Capcom is doing is they are matching it to the digital console pricing for Steam. Yep. And because uh, EXPress Interactive has stopped bringing most Capcom games at retail, aside from like uh, the one of Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, unless you resort to key selling sites, you're essentially paying more on PC than console players are paying. So. Yeah, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, publishers realize that they rather make more money per user than have a larger volume of users because the math works out better for them, particularly on digital. Because for digital, what a lot of you have to understand is each publisher makes around seventy percent of the of the revenue. So they rather take seventy percent of three four nine nine rather than you know. 
uh, invest in physical distribution or give a better price point because you're still getting 70%. But why should you get 70% of 1,000 rupees when you can get 70% of 3499? So yeah, expect pricing. Pricing has been going up uh, quietly this year and it'll continue to go up into 2018. But I wouldn't worry too much uh, for one simple reason. Uh, we've seen that sites like Flipkart and Amazon uh, don't think twice before dropping price. I mean, we saw FIFA for, uh, at 3999 was supposed to be the launch price. But even before release, it got a price drop to 3699. And right now, if you know where to look, you can pick up FIFA for 3200 or a little less. And it's on digital, it's already 3499. So I wouldn't worry too much. But yeah, that's something to keep in mind that your day one price is going to increase. Cool. So basically, games got more expensive. Nintendo had a landmark here. Uh, first half of the year was amazing for single player games and the second half was great for multiplayer games like know, uh, Battlefront 2 one, one more yeah. thing to mention is uh, this is probably uh, the best year in terms of uh, official releases of games for Nintendo platforms in India yeah exactly because we've seen Mario Plus Rabbids we've seen uh, WWE uh, we've seen L.A. Noir. Lo- all the Lego games. Every Basically, Lego every game. uh, every publisher under EXPRESS Interactive, since they most of them released stuff on Switch, almost all of those had uh, local releases and they ended up being a lot cheaper than buying digitally. So, yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's the year in a nutshell. Uh, and, I, oh yeah, one of the things that, yeah, we're, we're probably going to see more remasters in 2018. In fact, what just got announced was Catherine Full Body Edition which is, for those of you who don't know, is one of the craziest games from the PS3 era, hmm. which is basically a, pu- a, a puzzle game with relationship elements. And the first couple of levels has you being chased by this gigantic uh, baby with uh, like a rattle kind of thing, which is quite hilarious. And it's got a really cool anime style to it. So yeah, that just got announced for the PS4 and Vita. And expect more of more such games. Uh, yeah, Mike's kind of like jumping Vita, in his holy chair. shit. Mike's kind of like jumping in his chair right now. But yeah, expect uh, a lot more remasters in 2018. But I think we've done enough of recapping what to expect uh, from next year and what 2017 has brought. Let's move on to the games, Pranay. Yeah, so first I think we should get out like our favorite games. You know, instead of like talking about the top 10, we'll sure. go to that. Sure. Uh, so Akhil, why don't you start and talk about... Do you really want to start in the week? I feel like my top three are basically only games I've played this year. Uh, no, just pick the games which may not necessarily be like, you know, ranked highly in our reviews, but something you actually enjoyed playing. So, you know, I, I know that you are a massive FIFA fan, for example. So Yeah, but I feel like, I mean, to give FIFA like high rating sort of doesn't really make that much sense every year because the game is sort of like improving on the last year's edition. Mm. It's not like they're starting from scratch. Just to say that FIFA is a great game is just to say that, okay, it's always been the same for the last four or five years now yeah so you know what i actually feel that ea sports is now probably in the next few years going to move to a subscription-based model yeah which the ceo brought up this yeah. i remember like i think september october something yep that they're considering it because they still have to figure out how to move that right because hmm. not everyone's com- comfortable moving to that some people still expect physical releases and like love holding on to them or whatever so that's not going to work out very well in a subscription-based Platform. And more importantly, if you consider the changes to net neutrality, where essentially you're going to see more uh, stricter data caps, it becomes very tough to navigate a situation like subscription-based gaming, uh, particularly with the number of updates a game like FIFA has on a regular basis. So I, I have a feeling in the short term, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, but either way, like the biggest improvement right now happening, happening to FIFA, of course, is on the journey side, which is where they're putting most of the resources because everything else is sort of just made for them right they've mm. already built the database so that's what i'm looking forward to each year is where they can actually improve further in the story aspect and everything which is what was much better this year than last year which is what i enjoyed but it's still not like quite this, what you expect like they can do so much more with it yeah they killed mass effect so they put that into fifa now <laughs> <laughs> yeah journey journey is basically mass the mass effect sequel about the korean arc that we never got yeah <laughs> Okay, so any Except other games? you can't drive around yourself or have actual relationships it's okay. or actually progress in some way in a direction you want. Exactly, just like Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> <laughs> so any other games you liked uh, that you played this year? So one I loved, which we're going to talk about actually on the list is Mario Plus Rabbids. No, not now. Not <laughs> now. I, I, that's what I said. Yeah, so basically that's it. Like that's my two favorite games of the year. Uh, okay, fine. Yeah, Akhil, if he gives your game, like all developers, listen up. If Akhil gives your game a six, then it means it's a really good game. If he gives you a 9, that okay, means that's, that's not it. True. Retire. Retire right now. Talk, yeah. Then I have like a lot of games to live actually give slicks. But like, <laughs> long, story not talking about long story short, Akhil is the edge magazine of people. So yeah. And also because like we were talking about pricing five minutes ago, right? And that's the reason like I don't really have, have any games to list is because I end up playing most games the next year. So all the games we're going to talk about this year, I'm going to be playing them like June next year. Yeah, so except for the Nintendo titles, which will never be discounted. Yeah. 
Essentially, Akhil's game of the year is Steam sales. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. So fine, I'll go next. Uh, it's been a landmark year for iOS gaming in in a lot of ways. So I believe the first one, the first important port we got this year was Darkest Dungeon. Wait, not Cuphead? Uh, <laughs> that was a fake app. Okay, thanks. Uh, anyway, so Darkest Dungeon was really, really good. Very nicely done port, and it. fit beautifully in the touch screen except for maybe some elements which were like really tiny and uh, yeah of course black bars at the top and bottom um it's also a devilishly difficult game to play and if you're playing it play it on the ipad don't even bother with uh, like any other version it's really really good and also uh, a bunch of other ports showed up towards the end of the year it's, it was almost like you know the developers realized that holiday season is coming and maybe ios is becoming popular so why not launch a lot of games so the witness showed up on ios um uh, only annoyance with the witness on ios is that you know you have to pan and uh, like zoom all of that using the touch screen right so it's not as yeah, you can't hold the ipad and like you can use around. a you can use a controller if you have one yeah though. exactly it's but you can't like use the accelerometer and like turn the ipad no you uh, can't but the problem so. is uh, while apple stores apple resellers i should say over here advertise the controller and let you try it out with the apple tv they don't actually sell it it's yeah. like very weird it's just a demo unit And it's actually a really good Steel Series Nimbus controller, is like the best iOS and Android controller. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that and then the Talos principle also showed up, which is also a fantastic port. I played a bit of it, haven't like gotten into it so like too much yet. But another beautiful port that showed up on iOS, and uh, then also a bunch of games showed up like right maybe a week or so before the podcast. So Life is Strange showed up. Uh, Fez. Yeah, Fez also showed up around the same time. So. uh in in a lot of ways this has been a landmark year that way for um iOS gaming and like if you're if you're on iOS if you have an iPad specially um now is the time to buy these games and and you know to start playing them so i would probably pick like these games as my favorites i bought uh, witness i bought talos principle and also darkest dungeon so all these three were like uh, simply fantastic and another game which didn't make our list was uh, cuphead on xbox one not on iOS that that was a fake app uh was <laughs> really really uh, a good i really enjoy platformers i i mean cuphead is obviously like uh, great for its music for the gameplay it reminded me of like uh, i mean if super meat boy evolved a little then this is probably what it would become except you know this is just like boss fight after boss fight uh, very very well done and it encourages you to play on the maximum difficulty because that's how you can actually progress in the story so yeah i i would probably pick those as my favorite games uh, rishi you want to go next well yeah so this year's been like Had way too many games and I've played way too many of them. I'd probably go with the ones which obviously make a list. And since I've probably played more games than anyone on the show, maybe Mike's played more considering the weird Japanese stuff he keeps playing. Uh, so yeah, Assassin's Creed Origins comes to mind because you know very cool uh, representation of Egypt. Then we had Battle Chasers, which was really nice because it actually merges really cool '90s art style with Japanese RPG tropes and works really well. The combat system is still pretty good. Then there's Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice, which basically delves into mental health and uh, has very polished combat. That was exceptional as well. And Takoma, which I actually didn't didn't think I'd like, but was actually pretty cool because of the way the game plays, the way the mechanic of piecing together what happens after uh, after a massive cataclysm, semi cataclysmic incident. And yeah, Thimbleweed Park, which was really cool because you had dark meta humor and you had a very cool pixel vibe to it. And this cool and the the humor is just so '90s and uh, essentially quite quite similar to what you'd expect from return of monkey island and and the like so that was really cool that aside there was south park fractured but whole which yeah, was amazing yeah i was going to mention that which was amazing because uh, they basically took everything that was great from stick of truth and uh amped it up to 20 it is glorious uh the in fact it had more choice and more consequence than some other titles i played this year that was epic there was tokyo 42 which came out of nowhere which is an isometric colorful open uh, open world game in the vein of earlier grand theft auto games and the combat similar to hotline miami uh that was a lot of fun especially because it looked so good and it was so much fun to play uh then there was prey which uh, came earlier in the year which was basically a thinking man sci-fi shooter um good element of choice great story i mean amazing story and uh, even though it got a little repetitive towards the end it's still like amazingly well done super polished mm. it's tragic that we're probably not going to see more of these games in the future unless you count the system shock reboot sorry system shock 2 remake and system shock 3 from night from uh, 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 from i think night dive studios when those are out god only knows and then yeah there was wolf 2 wolfenstein 2 which again also came out of nowhere uh, surprisingly competent uh and when, just when you think that you know machine games couldn't do better than 2014's Wolfenstein New Order they come up with this which is quite crazy 
so yeah those have been my favorites and obviously did not make the list so as you can guess 2017 is exceptional because in any other year all these games would have made the list yeah it was a phenomenal year that way we had just way too many like 9 on 10 games yeah and even 10 on 10s yeah. yeah i mean 10 on 10s if you have like 3 in a year that's like some killer return yeah because it, to give you guys some perspective in 2015 we had all of one game which is which is 3 mm-hmm. 2016 we had only firewatch and overwatch uh and 2017 yeah we've had i think over four or five of them there was count. like in the first quarter i think there were two yep yep yeah so, so we'll yeah. get to them soon yep yeah so mike yeah so uh first one that comes to mind obviously steam world dig 2 uh a steam world dig 1 was uh, really good but uh, when i played steam world heist when it released on 3ds that was like oh th- this is all they should do they shouldn't get back to steam world dig by uh, it was developed by image and form games steam world heist was like a 2d xcom set in a steampunk as the name suggests universe also available on ios yes and uh, the ios port until the switch version releases on december 28 the ios ipad version is probably the best way to play it So SteamWorld Dig 2 follows the events of SteamWorld Dig 1 although you can play it standalone. It's a digging platformer vania game, super polished, probably one of the most polished indie games I've ever played. Has a fantastic soundtrack by some of the people who contributed to Hotline Miami One score. Looks amazing, plays amazing everywhere and it's really long and has a ton of secrets. Hmm. So I'd say I'd say get this over Metroid Samus Returns also if you're into those kinds of games. Really really good. uh the other game is probably pranay's favorite he's been waiting for this since episode 1 probably both the utaware rumono games <laughs> which are visual novels which have strategy elements uh, they're both available on ps4 and vita probably 200 hours of gameplay in between both of them a uh, really really good writing great voice acting which is all in japanese obviously uh nice like the srpg elements are peppered in nicely and all just really fun but uh, only recommended for fans of visual novels like steins gate and stuff like that uh another game which i want to talk about is uh, xenoblade chronicles 2 uh while some of the issues which i had when i played and finished it are getting fixed uh it still lacks a little polish which we've come to expect from nintendo titles which we'll get to when we talk about the overall top 10 games uh probably a better open world than zelda better soundtrack one of the best soundtracks i'd say in the last few years superb uh, a- uh action turn based hybrid mmo combat which uh, now has time based sections which give you bonuses and stuff like that uh lovely characters just fantastic story i'd say like get a switch for this over getting a switch for zelda easily and uh, yeah the last game is probably ease 8 lacrimosa of dana which came out on PS4 Vita and the the PC version is delayed to quote on go 2018 so ease is a franchise which neon falcom in japan like came up with a long time ago they've been making a ton of games which have been mostly on PC and PlayStation platforms it's an action rpg this one has a more story focus it just plays amazing and i'd say it's the best action rpg that released this year yeah so, the yeah. game is spelled y s Yes, ease. Yeah, not wise. So yeah, yeah basically <laughs> that, and definitely not why apostrophe. Yeah, yes. I'm actually surprised <laughs> you put uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 over there. Like, should warn people that it's not very welcoming to new players, and it's like ridiculously difficult to navigate around the world if you Which start playing that. Which they are fixing. The map issues are getting fixed, but I'd still, uh, uh, like, if you are a fan of MMOs or you've played the previous ones, obviously get this. Uh, the initial learning curve is really high, but after that, it's like well worth it. So yeah. Okay then. So. I think we should start with our top 10 list um, starting from 10. Yeah, number 10 is Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Akhil. Okay. Um that was sudden. Um so I, I I'm guessing I cuz I reviewed the game for Galaxy yeah, 60. Yeah. So I had a lot of fun. It's one of the few games actually this year which I reviewed and I continued playing uh, as opposed to the games I would just like leave behind cuz I not stick with them such as like football manager which takes up your life if you actually continue playing it. <laughs> So and I really enjoy Mario Plus Rabbids. Like I actually thought I spent like around twenty thirty hours, uh, finishing the campaign, which I later later realized was cr- close to fifty hours. Okay. And that like that tells you how enjoy enjoying the game enjoyable the game is yeah. if you don't even realize where the time goes. And that, that's just not because of the it's cute aesthetic and the colorful like background and everything. It's because there's a very competent RPG game at its core, hmm. which is actually makes you think as opposed to just real time warfare, but it's sometimes down to reflexes. Here you actually have to decide what kind of characters you want to take, what kind of weapons you want to take in before, and it's it seems easy as it goes on, but it actually 
becomes a lot more complex as you go yeah so it. it's a turn based strategy yeah it's a turn based strategy game yeah. and you really have to think and sometimes there are rounds where you actually are 18 turns in and you realize oh no i have chosen the wrong weapons and i'm not going to make it through yeah and uh, i believe like a lot depends on the characters you choose as well yeah because so. they have a lot of abilities so like um, mario is always fixed he's always with you because he's the ma- nintendo mascot and there's no way you can remove him so you basically have to like choose two characters around him which sort of complement him best because like mario is though he has like the i think the most powerful weapons in the game he never has the big best abilities which belong to someone else who you know they can sort of jump uh higher they can jump like further or they have like stomping abilities or something which they bring or they can heal which is like with princess rabbits yeah and those sort of things sort of get you in very long rounds if you have like say a round where you need to kill like 30 enemies you have to get someone who can heal your characters otherwise you're doomed if you like don't carry the character you won't get through that round yeah so my only complaint with that game whatever i saw of it was that the collector's edition box had like rabbits peach statue i think or was it rabbits no, mario no it actually had rabbit mario mario yeah which is a downside because rabbit mario is pretty garbage in the game they should have done rabbit peach best character in the game <laughs> yeah so uh, i felt that they should probably have given you know one uh, like main nintendo character and one ubisoft character so you know one rabbit and one uh mario or maybe peach or something but yeah, yeah i i think i mean i'd agree completely because from a collector standpoint i felt that it was quite of you know a little bit of a downer that there were only rabbit characters but i think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that it was published by ubisoft and not yeah. nintendo yep. and uh, obviously if ubisoft has publishing rights they're going to try pushing rabbits and more importantly nintendo would want to push their own mario stuff themselves yeah. so i mean no offense but those rabbits look really ugly so i wouldn't <laughs> want too many of them yeah, cluttering yeah like, like, rabbits were like basically non existent before this game right no one really cared for them also yeah. because they they looked ugly like without the makeup they get the makeover they get i'm sorry in yeah. Ra- mario plus rabbits which like turns princess like peach into this like rabbit speech which is like hilarious because she's yeah. always taking selfies around and everything yeah. i mean or like even rabbit luigi who is like probably the one of the funniest aspects of the game as you go on yeah so like the way i think about it it's essentially that uh the rabbits are the george costanza of gaming they're basically like the f- the yeah they're the comic relief yeah the yeah. comic relief and i think that's what they work out well in the game but as a collector's edition item yeah i kind of know where you guys are coming from the gun would have been better though much yeah. better so i don't think it's a politically correct thing to give a gun as a collector's edition item i don't know <laughs> in, i mean it's day and age it's particularly it's, it's been done before yeah <laughs> so <Sure>. yeah <laughs> Okay. Uh so yeah, uh, Nintendo had a phenomenal year overall as you will see as this list goes on. Um uh, so number 9 on this list is a slightly unpopular or an unusual choice. It's Gran Turismo Sport. Yes. So if you go by <laughs> all the reviews online, you will see that the you know this game has not been rated particularly highly. Oh, we should specify all the day one reviews because it's gotten a lot better and uh, a lot of the like we had we were skeptical about whether servers would hold and stuff like that and it's mm. been like really good yeah so and there's been an offline patch too which has come in that's yeah, very so important when it know. launched actually we had a lot of trouble reviewing this game simply because uh well in the pre review phase uh, what happens with some games which are always online in particular is that servers are taken down for maintenance and you know like they are optimizing things so if you get the game maybe 3 days before uh, or 4 days before launch for review uh the servers will be online only part of the time and most of the time they will be sitting offline so what happened with a lot of people who started reviewing a little later was that they couldn't really play much of it whereas we managed to get in some good 15 or 16 hours with the game uh, before review itself so what happened at that time was we really enjoyed this game simply because uh, having played Forza 7 and uh, being super like uh, super disappointed with the way microsoft tried to push microtransactions over actual racing uh, we came to this game and we saw that okay now sony's uh, landmark simulation racing title is here and they are actually trying to teach us how to drive so that's such an important aspect right if you've not played any simulation racer before if you're mostly into arcade racing you come to this game and suddenly you don't know how to drive you keep losing and then you keep wondering what you're doing wrong so the, but there's like a full tutorial mode where you can get a gold trophy for every time you like hit their top goal silver and bronze trophies as well available so if you get gold in every single uh, mode of that it takes a lot of time but it's totally worth it because when you start racing you'll realize that okay whatever i learned over there in those driving school uh, modes I actually can apply them and now I'm a much better racer. So that I really liked about the game. And as far as the simulation racing experience goes with like um uh, no drama, no nonsense, uh, microtransactions that they are constantly trying to push on your face, 
this is a really really good and really polished game i mean i can see why the game was delayed multiple times when it finally you know released yeah and even and what's more is that aside from being packed with a lot of features and a really gentle i mean surprisingly decent learning curve is that the vr mode in the game is very very good probably right up there with resident evil 7 in terms of implementation uh small details like the the stitches on on the car seats all the way down to you know the 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 sun rays or uh, bouncing off uh advertising it looks really immersive and really good it's just tragic that's only playable on one mode which is the arcade mode and one or two tracks not more than that uh and it works really well though i mean whatever's there is i mean pretty much perfect and it actually i actually hope that sony build on this uh, on the vr aspect of it because to me it's one of the actual reasons you own psvr i think the interesting thing to note about this is uh, wipeout is getting wipeout the omega collection which is a, as the name suggests a collection which is remasters old wipeout games in 4k 60 fps for ps4 pro and for ps4 obviously not on 4k that's getting a vr patch early next year which allows you to play the whole game in vr so they are committed to psvr obviously but if they start adding this stuff to their older games i think it's going to be really good for the people who bought vr yep and have been hanging around since the beginning because uh like like as we spoke about initially vr sales have been increasing and it is doing well mm. it is good to see sony still not give up on it like they did on the vita so yeah so that's there but uh, yeah that's one to look forward to man and, and particularly more so considering that uh, more when when most people think racing games they think uh, you know arcade stuff and if you're actually looking for something with an with an arcade flavor and you actually have a pc or an xbox one uh, you should check out pranay's favorite expansion of all time which is forza horizon 3's hot wheels expansion yeah akhil did you play this one no i didn't end up because like i for some reason microsoft is like very stingy with dropping prices on expansions but yeah. not the main game so, so the main game keeps going on discount like every time they have a sale <laughs> and also but the expansion uh, pass has like stayed on the same price which is actually as much as i paid for the game and the the funny thing is uh, like with halo wars 2 ultimate edition which was supposed to include the season pass and halo wars 1 uh halo wars 2 it was supposed to have a story based expansion that actually didn't release and they did a standalone separate paid story expansion that requires you to have the game uh, which cost as much as the game cost if not more now like i've spent 90 hours in horizon 3 but i don't think i'm going to spend 90 hours in the expansion packs honestly yeah, but, yeah but you will not spend 90 hours in um, the expansion especially the blizzard uh, yeah. mountain expansion but hot wheels you will probably end up spending 20 to 30 hours in there easy simply yeah, because yeah it's it doesn't compute like price wise right yeah i mean you can't basically say okay yeah i will pay the same price for that and the sad thing is microsoft stopped seemingly stopped doing a complete edition re-releases or game of the year edition releases of yeah. their titles the last one that did get one was forza 5 game of the year edition so technically i could do that right so like when the when the sale actually happens they do a sale on the, all the editions the ultimate edition which actually includes the expansion i could buy that no the ultimate edition does not include the expansion because all of us who got it for review or oh. bought it like i bought the for the steel book uh the ultimate edition has the vip pass the car pass and so some extra, extra stuff without actually paying you need to spend 35 or 30 dollars to get the expansion so to, if you have a forza game and you want all the content you need to spend 135 dollars yeah so for racing games this was a pretty good year overall because you got a lot of them and you know when you get uh, quite a few of them coming from these uh, high like big name studios then what happens is a couple of them turn out to be excellent if the rest are mediocre so this year i believe we uh, was assetto cosa this year or was it last year last year, year assetto cosa was last year so and we didn't view it because it was abysmal on consoles yeah so uh, like if you are a like hardcore sim game fan then you know ps4 is a way to go get grand turismo sport you will not regret it and get your racing wheel and other accessories you know spend a ton of money on this yeah but if you are not uh, like into simulation racing and if you want an arcade experience the forza horizon 3 expansion uh, hot wheels expansion and the main game will keep you occupied for at least a good what uh, 60 70 hours if if you yeah if you get if you getting the main game right now then yeah easily 60 70 hours yeah so 60 70 hours is uh, quite a good return for the money you're um, paying for the game and also yeah if you play online and all then just i mean you I can mean, yeah, play like forever like 40 hours like probably for like the main story and after that yeah like endless hours because like the levels on spot like yeah. stop ever like you can be driving around you'll see drivers with like 400 and 500 and you'll be like i'm still 130 i thought that was yeah. good <laughs> yeah so yeah uh, basically a game done right and it doesn't charge you any like uh, 
nonsense loot crate yeah. uh, or any other like Unlike extra it's money. Sim cousin, yeah. yeah. It's it's there but it's not upfront. So yeah. yeah. So it's all optional like mostly they charge you money for the expansions which yeah. I still would say is a good way to charge money. I mean you made more content you ask for more money it's fine. Mm. You know unlike for the like, yeah the cars thing does seem a li- little bit like cheating like asking for the money but like yeah you can unlock them if you keep playing along yeah, yeah exactly so it's not terrible unlike forza 7 which yep. is you know <laughs> <laughs> the extreme of like on yeah, probably in battlefront a total disaster yep. anyway so rishi uh, why don't you take over and game number 8 is uncharted lost legacy yeah so uncharted the lost legacy where it was a game which was i mean all your earmarked to be an expansion but they decided to go ahead and make it as a full fledged uh, release of sorts well and indian people in particular should be excited because this is set in india and features a lot of indian mythological yeah. elements and done very tastefully at that yeah so it's really cool so the game starts off uh, you're in a war torn part or allegedly war torn part of 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 india obviously fictitious and uh, uh you you essentially get your hands on a certain item that puts you on this massive quest across the western ghats what's really cool here is uh, a lot of, so firstly yes from a, from a presentation standpoint uh they do a really good job of explaining hindu mythology they go to really they do a really good job of explaining what you're supposed to get which is you're supposed you're after the the spear uh, you're uh, after the i think it's called the tri- spear of ganesh or the trident of ganesh, tusk of ganesh. the tusk of ganesh yeah. sorry the tusk of ganesh and the way you go about it it actually gives you a proper explanation of what went down in ancient hindu mythology it gives you it gives you a fantastic view of temples mm. and uh, it has these massive open worlds to play around in so See, usually most uncharted games get are are basically uh linear levels, a straight line. You go from A to B and you go to C and then you probably have, you know, uh uh a jeep chase along the way and that's it. But here what they've done is the first half of the game takes place in a some in an in the Western Ghats area. It's essentially a kind of an open world where you where you have three different hubs which you can visit, three different temple areas you can visit mm. in any order. and uh, it's really nice because uh, naughty dog is known for its linear games mm. it's known for the last of us it's known for uncharted and prior to that it was known for crash bandicoot mm. and the way they've gone about implementing their open world is really interesting because it makes me wonder what they're going to do with their next games mm. in like terms of design to bombay yeah who knows <laughs> so uh that was really cool that aside uh even the 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 protagonists were really nice in the sense that they always had something fun to say and they were interesting to hear you never got bored of listening to clo fraser and nadine ross talk uh, you know trash talk each other or uh explain explain what's going on so that also worked really well yeah, but that studio has always been really good at that right i mean this is yeah. the i mean I, i unbelievable but 2017 is the year when i played the last of us Yeah. So uh, I like when I was watching you play Uncharted the Lost Legacy yeah. and I felt that a lot of those elements are still there in this game where you know like in Last of Us it was uh, between Clo- um, Joel and Ellie yeah. and uh, in this game it was between these two protagonists. Yeah and the 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 entire chem- chemistry between them is really cool. Yeah. And it's uh, w- what's more is that you never felt that hey okay it's an Uncharted game but there's no Nathan Drake. Uh, you know cuz Nathan Drake's been the hero of of Uncharted games since the beginning this is the first game without him and you know with good reason because of after what happened in Uncharted 4 he kind of like gives up spoiler alert but yeah point is it's really cool from that aspect where you don't actually miss him you actually feel that they can carry on the franchise without him and it it works for 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 a lot of parts and what was really nice in all of this was uh was the fact that when or uh, was that when the game ends it actually has some really cool nods to India towards the end So yeah I think it's it's surprisingly well done. Yeah so right then that I mean it may sound like an expansion but you know it's a proper game in itself so do pick it up um, I mean we really enjoyed it and yeah I'm pretty sure like some of the artwork in the game like the statues of the gods and all is like you know, going to appeal to you if nothing else yep. really really nicely done. All right so game number 7 is Gravity Rush 2. Uh, Mikhail do you want to talk about this? Yeah sure. So Gravity Rush 2 uh, is the sequel to Gravity Rush which originally came out as a PlayStation Vita exclusive before getting ported to PlayStation 4. Uh Gravity Rush 2 is uh, one of the games which I still cannot believe Sony greenlit and released for a lot of reasons. For one the original Gravity Rush didn't really sell too well. Uh fans loved it. A lot of critics loved it. Uh it had very unique gameplay which took advantage of the Vita specific features like the gyro, the touch screen and stuff like that. And it was like a completely new IP and somehow they managed getting one of the uh like I think one of the biggest composers in Japan to do the soundtrack. The person who does the One Piece anime uh soundtracks. So it seemed like it seems like something which is too good to be true and something which you know only sony or maybe nintendo would sort of green light 
and uh, you play as a cat and uh, you have a cat also and you have uh, gravity defying powers which let you on the ps4 since gravity rush 2 was ps4 only uh, you can play with motion controls or the analog using the gyro and the controller to sort of navigate fly kick enemies and like you have superpowers and stuff like that uh they uh, everyone uses this made up language uh like a fictional language and uh, what really impressed i think both rishi and me with gravity rush 2 was uh, the art really really looks good the art direction is probably one of the best we've seen uh it is quote unquote open world to some extent and uh, they really nailed the aesthetic they have this uh, very nice cell shaded uh, an anime style which they're going through uh, characters look fantastic uh, the implementation of uh, music specific scenes in the game has been really good the story has been really good the only thing which uh, knocked it off from i think a 10 would have been some of the side quests were really long drawn yeah i mean one of the one of the issues is yes the side quests were slightly convoluted but in addition to that uh, for someone who's loved the first game because of the scale and scope the first game story and plot uh, was basically save the world and it gets it you can't get grander than save the world right so the second game they kind of lowered the stakes where it's you know save uh, this uh, mountain town from capitalism and uh, rich people i mean it, it they, they try bringing home this really uh, personal story but it, doesn't exactly work to well in execution compared to save the world so in comparison yeah okay then so um number 6 on this list is near automata so rishi mikhail you guys are the ones who played this so why not and yeah also uh, i mean standard warning do not go to google image search and look for characters from this game yeah it's a bit not safe for work yeah uh, so near automata is what happens when uh, when you have platinum games the people responsible for bayonetta vanquish a transformers devastation to name a few are partner up with yoko taro yoko taro is an eccentric as hell producer at square enix responsible for some of their most bizarre over the top titles like dragon guard and yes the original nier uh what you end up getting is an action rpg uh which uh, came out of nowhere which has multiple endings multiple playthroughs rewards multiple playthroughs and has a story that absolutely bizarre with androids existentialism nihilism and every other form of philosophy you see fit along with theme parks yeah theme parks uh, uh another interesting thing to note is while many games have quote unquote multiple endings this one actually changes the game drastically after you finish two endings and what you see after that is almost completely different and uh, you are recommended to at least finish the first five main endings before you experiment i think there are totally 27 endings in the game some of them are joke endings like uh, just exploding <clears throat> and uh, yeah basically uh, another thing was it was really funny seeing people uh, fail the tutorial mission and then give up on the game because uh, near automata is uh, like yoko taro is eccentric and he basically or uh, didn't put a auto save system in the game so you have to manually save and the opening is about 45 minutes which has some bullet hell sections which some people are not good at over here and uh, i some of the people who we know ended up just like since it's an action rpg less played at the highest difficulty and the bullet hell section destroyed them after 45 minutes gameplay progress gone and they never ended up playing it so yeah it's it's a fantastic game if you were one of the lucky people who bought the edition day one over here that steel book is super rare right now and super valuable yeah and uh, also important note is in case you don't have a ps4 or uh, while we would recommend playing on the ps4 for the for the most trouble free experience it's pretty decent on pc with one or two minor quirks which i hope you need to you, can look uh, over. you need to like basically look at steam discussions for one particular fix and mod which you need to apply to it because apparently it crashes for most people yep. if you try and play it full screen right now so and square enix has sold i think 600000 or more copies on steam of this it's crossed i think 2 and a half million overall yep. and they've still not patched basic issues so yeah keep that in mind when you want to spend your money on this yeah okay um i think game number 5 uh, on this list was slightly controversial so um i'll just put it out there it's legend of <laughs> zelda not really controversial not really controversial i mean it's universally acclaimed uh, we just had issues with it at launch <laughs> i mean so uh legend of zelda breath of the wild uh took uh, a lot of inspiration from western open world games and added a lot of stuff what people liked with zelda and a lo- changed a lot of stuff uh unlike most of the games that have a, a very memorable soundtrack which plays a big part this one 
sort of had a muted soundtrack the story and narrative over here also took a backseat to exploration world building and stuff like that but there was uh, there's a mechanic in it which is weapon durability which it depends on how your tolerance is it'll you'll either completely hate the game or the That's opening me. yeah the opening parts of it yeah. or you can tolerate it for a bit because weapon durability makes the opening area feel it almost makes it like one of those survival games until you probably play 5 hours into it when you get used to things or you use amiibo in the beginning which give you super powerful weapons so yeah the opening is going to be hit or miss for many people but uh, it basically is one of the best open world games in terms of like if you see that you can go there like it's the only game which lets you literally do everything yeah it's it's interesting from that aspect because yes well, if you see it you can climb it if you see it you can scale it if you see it there's a way to slay it but uh i i mean and the reason why we actually scored it quite low was one reason yes i mean it wasn't quite low 7 is still much better than low i mean depending on the comments man so <laughs> jokes aside uh yeah what is what's interesting is that yeah i mean weapon durability aside you can essentially power through the entire game with amiibo and that's essentially how i ended up finishing it mm-hmm. uh basically farmed amiibo uh cuz what you can do is you, uh, for those of you who are unaware amiibo are basically nintendo's toy to life uh uh DLC in a way in our purchase bro. yeah in a in a way where you basically scan them uh, using it they're basically glorified uh, pretty looking NFC tags you can essentially scan for in game items now with breath of the wild if you have uh, the base set of amiibo which is five or six of them you just end up scanning them once a day and you get rare items and loot that help you progress now that's really useful because uh, the game has a has a cooking mechanic mm. and if you end up creating dishes that buff up your health or uh, increase your resistance to cold or increase your resistance to heat that actually makes a lot of the game easier a lot more easier to the point where you can actually defeat bosses by just uh, making sure you have the right uh, food on you literally i mean you can uh, a lot of it i mean like if you just explore around you can just pick apples from almost every tree you see and slay whatever foxes or whatever you get meat and all but yeah like it it basically reduces how much you'd need to explore also if you use the amiibo and uh, yeah uh, i haven't had much fun with the second expansion which is part of the expansion pass which just released but uh, yeah if you have a switch or a wii u you absolutely need to play it uh, just don't expect your typical massive zelda narrative with music it's a very different game and uh, it's good so. yeah i mean comp- if i compare it to past zeldas yes it's a very different experience and if you're open to it you might actually find some fun here though keep in mind it does get exponentially more enjoyable if you have access to amiibo so. akil what are your thoughts on this one So I had some of the same troubles like which uh, Mikhail just mentioned right early on like the weapon durability is not something I was expecting going in I was expecting it to be more explorative based on the trailers and everything they had sold us on and it wasn't that kind of game which is why Zelda is the, the game I probably like quit and returned to this year the most I probably like left stop playing it I think multiple times over multiple months and kept going back to it because it's been so much talked about it's been Hailed as the be- probably one of the best games of this era. I forget like this year. Mm. Yeah, it's and one of the highest rated games of all time already. So yeah, I yeah. Mean, so like, if you plus when you're like spending like four thousand on a game, like you want to see what the hype is about, right? And so I've kept going back to it, and I've f- found some peace with it in some parts, and I've gotten I think to a point where I've started enjoying it. Though there are certain quirks which I mentioned with, I mean, which I don't exist. Like that's the thing. I I like turn-based RPGs more than real-time reflexes. I figured like. Because a game like Zelda pushes reflexes more than actual strategy. It's mm. more of like, did you spot that, and were you like quick enough to like move your Joy-Con to react to it, or did you end up dying? Mm. Yeah, I also like faced some of the things. Like I haven't played the whole game. I played maybe what one or one and a half hour of Zelda, and I can see some of those things which you mentioned. Like some random monster will be there, and suddenly they'll shoot an arrow at you. Yeah, that's a, sometimes they'll jump. come out of the water and start running you. Like for three seconds, you're just wondering where the even the monster is. It's yeah. called dodging. That's all. <laughs> again, you play these games much more than I do. Yeah. So it's true. just like true, it's not natural. And plus, when like, again, as I said, the trailer sell you on the explorative aspect. You expect more of that than the. But there yeah, is like combat. it's yeah. a ton of like I, uh, if you bought the DLC, it even added this thing where it shows you exactly your yep. your whole path for the last two hundred hours of gameplay. And uh, I played hundred and thirty hours of it, and I've actually like still not ex- uh, explored forty percent of the map. It's It's crazy how big the map is. I think it's like four or five times the size of GTA Five. Yeah, it's. So I mean, it's not even that. It's also the sense of density, right? Like, so games like, uh, so so games like uh, Zelda, games like even Ghost Recon Wildlands, they they they're quite good at giving you an expansive place to play around with, but then dropping 
those discoverable elements in specific locations. So you end up traveling a bit and you end up feeling that, yes, there's a sense of discovery that actually works well in such settings. And uh, one more thing to note is, uh, while it does have, uh, like I said, it draws inspiration from games like Skyrim and even Ubisoft open world games. Uh, what Ubisoft does is they'll give you a map with like a ton of I- icons and stuff like that. Over here, you get to put the icons when you discover stuff. You just unlock parts of the map which will basically allow your mini map to tell you where to go it doesn't just overwhelm you with a ton of icons if you look at your map it'll probably just highlight fast travel points nothing else yep, yep. you'll need to add other things for yourself for your own uh, uh, reference yeah hmm. okay then so um i think we are very very close to the top three now number four is horizon zero dawn oh yes so this again came out of nowhere uh, developed by uh, Guerrilla Games, the studio behind one of the greatest first-person shooters franchises of all time, Killzone. Uh, they decided one fine day that, hey, let's make a post-post-post-apocalyptic game with giant dinosaur robots and a female protagonist called Aloy. And the end result is Horizon Zero Dawn, which was, uh, I mean, from a setting standpoint, really works because uh, hum- humanity has been reduced to this tribal state. So there are tribals in small kingdoms and uh, the... The race that's in ascendance are those are the aforementioned race of giant robots, animals, and uh, it, it it incorporates hunting mechanics. It incorporates open world gameplay and incorporates a really really fascinating story because it's up to you to piece together what went down before the collapse, hmm. and uh, it works really well. Uh, all of it comes together to make perhaps the best open world game of the year. Uh, you essentially uh, you, you you essentially you can hunt down animals using a bunch of cool weapons such as you know electric uh, bows and stuff like that but the narrative to me is the strongest point mm. uh i like the way uh they they weave in together bits and pieces of the old world and what went down the collapse and and fuse it together with what's new and what's happening it's kind of like a modern take on uh on on older zelda games when an evil has returned to the world and it's up to you to clear it but what but what's even more fascinating is the fact that uh the, the 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 game has its own moral choices and it and it and they usually work quite well. But what's even really cool is the fact that they've created something that's in terms of a game world not actually been explored or done too well before. I mean, you've seen post-apocalyptic worlds like Fallout Three, Fallout Four, Fallout New Vegas, right? But we haven't seen what happens after that in mm. terms of a timeline situation. And I think that's really intriguing because they managed to explore that premise and bring it to its fullest. Uh, my my grouses with this were very minimal. One is that I would have liked a proper lock-on, which is still not there. And uh, Learn good, how to aim, Rishi. That too. I think if they would have added uh, gyro aiming, yeah. which was like one of the big surprises in Zelda Breath of the Wild because... Uh, uh, obviously, uh, sticks are not as accurate as playing with a keyboard and mouse, but uh, in Zelda, at least with the bow and arrow, aiming was really good with yep, gyro yep. once you calibrated well. So uh, that's one thing which, uh, yeah, it would have worked well in Horizon. But uh, another thing I didn't like about Horizon was uh, the melee combat against non-machine enemies. That felt really tacked on. Yeah, it did. It did. It didn't have the same satisfying yeah, clunk. It, the rest of it felt like... Uh, it literally felt like big budget sci-fi Monster Hunter, which is what uh, we're going to get a big Monster Hunter game next month. But yeah, this really satiated that. And itch. and uh, I mean, so like uh, one one grouse was the lack of a lock-on and Gorilla Games, where's my 60 FPS patch for the PS4 Pro? I mean, I know I sound entitled and all, but I want that 60 FPS love, please. It got an expansion, didn't it? Yeah, uh, I got a Frozen Wilds, which is also pretty good. Yeah. Uh, com- takes completely, as the name would suggest, in Frozen areas. A uh, lot of difficult enemies, newer boss types. Uh, it's a it's a it's a nice little add-on to check out once you're done with the base game. Though I would highly recommend if you haven't bought Horizon Zero Dawn yet, do not buy the base game. Uh, buy the complete edition. It's available at certain stores, and fingers crossed if all goes well, it'll be available everywhere else soon enough. So I would recommend buying that because it also has all the DLC on disc with all the patches. So you save up on your on your FUP. So I'd recommend uh, picking that up if you can. Finally, we are at the top three in this uh, list of our top 10 games of 2017. So the thing is, these three games have all been scored 10 on 10 at Gadgets 360. So while, you know, we are choosing to present them in in this particular order, you can basically just swap them around depending on what kind of game you like. And, you know, you you are not ideally like you should play all three of them. But if you can't, you pick any of these, you're not getting an inferior experience by any stretch of the imagination. So number three in our list is a very unpopular choice as far as I am concerned. Because I I would vote for it to be number one, but that's uh, <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey. 
I was the one who reviewed the game, probably the first game. Yeah, actually the first game I've ever rated 10 on 10 uh, for while in my lifetime, I suppose. Yeah. So uh lots of really really good elements in them this is one of the best uh, mario titles probably ever made uh first of all like there's a really nice world which you have to like explore and collect a bunch of random coins and all that uh so it sounds pretty simple on 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 its on the surface but the visuals are really nice the music is really nice and the game actually rewards you for being clever and finding unique ways to sort of beat your enemies or reach like hidden areas etc so if you spot something like that if you reach a hidden place you will think that ha huh, i found something that that's going to break the game but actually you will see that there are some you know special hidden coins or extra uh, normal coins which you get there which tells you that the designers actually spent a lot of time just setting and polishing this game and you know which which tells you that the designers are always maybe you know a couple of steps ahead of whatever you can think of so what i did like was that Uh, not only does this game do all these things very well it also does that transition from 2D to 3D really really well so there are lots of places in the game game where you have to like progress from one zone to the next by going uh, from 3D to one 2D area where you play like classic mario this jump over and all that and it's 2D on a wall and then suddenly you realize okay maybe you know like this 2d wall it's not just 2d it probably has some 3d elements and then you notice okay there's a tiny gap on the corner if you cross that then the, uh, the mountain basically turns and you see that there's another face to the mountain which also you can like play in 2d and collect some extra coins some bonus hidden hidden coins and another nice touch was uh, when you do switch from 3d gameplay into these 2d sections the music becomes 8 bit or nes yep. type versions of the actual level music which was a very nice touch yeah the soundtrack is just phenomenal throughout like all these minor touches which tell uh, tell you the that uh, those rumors around the game which was that uh, around march the game was ready to go it was yeah, ready yeah, to ship yeah yeah they just delayed it to but uh, from what we've seen the build which they showed off at e3 uh, it wasn't actually running at the same resolution as now and they've managed to polish it and make it run a lot better now even though it does have some issues in handheld mode in uh, new donk city at least yeah. but uh, it's just like it's easily like one of the best games you can play this year. yeah and like each basically what happens in this game is obviously like the um, stereotypical old like princess peach has been kidnapped and you have to go and rescue her so uh, what happens in this game is that the the way they manage gameplay is so nice and so unique that you don't really feel like this is a stale old uh, same old storytelling experience at all like basically you have this uh, spirit called cappy which is like uh, hidden inside mario's cap so what you can do is throw cappy at various enemies and you can possess them or inspirit them as mike would say so you can basically become your enemies and you can like to reach so many areas in the game you have to actually possess those enemies so even your enemies are your friends in this game and that adds another dimension to the gameplay you know uh, more than just the running jumping and collecting coins thing and every level uh, that you go to which is basically a bowser is escaping and you're trying to chase him constantly so every level you go to is like completely different like the sand kingdom you'll see lots of like you know obviously like desert elements in that and like it'll be really cold there initially and then you have to like basically unlock the thing win the world and reduce the frost over there you save that and then you move to the next one which uh like as uh, mike mentioned there's a metro kingdom where there's a new donk city which is like a totally urban environment and you know looks like modern day america so you go from these things and then you you'll see lots of mini games around which is you know you'll uh, there's one game which is incredibly popular which is that skipping jumping thing where two women have a skipping rope and you have to time your jumps properly and there's another game where your uh, um yeah there's another part where you actually get to see like a proper concert of a person singing so yeah lots of variety in this game totally worth getting it i mean don't be like a kill don't wait for a discount pick it up at full price it's yeah, it's i wasn't uh, waiting for a discount i don't have the time to play it yeah yeah <laughs> i mean the best discount that's going to happen for mario odyssey is going to be from 60 dollars to like 50 that's all so yeah yeah and, and nintendo is notorious for, usually in the past they they've been quite uh uh economical with their discounts on first party so yeah i mean if you see it for 50 or under pick up Yeah so that's number 3 for you yeah uh number 2 and number 1 once again same thing which i said earlier applies you know pick either of these as your top game for the year it's just the same so our number 2 game for this year is persona 5 well yeah this one well i, I don't know what to say let's just put Take it this your way your time oh yeah that's <laughs> what he did go to sleep <laughs> so yeah jokes aside persona 5 takes place in uh, modern day japan where you play a student uh who is been sent to this new school you're supposed to make friends 
uh, during the day, be good at your classes during the day, and at night steal the hearts of the corrupt and the evil folks in 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 Japan who are causing all sorts of nonsense. So by day you're basically a student, and by night you're actually a Harry Potter who actually does cool stuff instead of you know waiting for people to die. Like you know, Snape killed Dumbledore and stuff. None of that happens here. But yeah, uh, it's essentially Japan's take on Harry Potter, but in a way that's actually playable, soluble, and that's really cool. Uh, the art style is, I mean, r- ridiculously good. It's, I love the menus in this game. Yeah, it's the yeah. most stylish game I think in a long time. Yeah. So, but so by day you're in school, and at night you're a phantom thief who's who's who has to steal people's hearts and change the way they think. Uh, what's what's shocking is that uh, the game. At its at its base is I think around sixty to eighty hours, but during that time, uh, the pacing is so well done that you keep coming back. So if my my first playthrough was around eighty hours. I want to go back to it. Uh, I need to figure out how and when. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's r- really good. Uh, in the sense that, so it it's not your tradi- it's not your typical open world game. Uh, there are dungeons you have to explore that are time bound. So you like usually have two weeks to explore and finish an entire dungeon. Now these dungeons are are of importance because they're not your usual dungeons with monsters. They're basically the human psyche. So they'll be the human psyche of uh, of po- of possibly a corrupt school teacher or maybe uh, an evil a politician, politician yeah. or 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 a neighborhood gangster. Or even a, a, a shot-in kid who's basically a hacker. Or so, a collective consciousness of all the corrupt stuff happening in people's minds in that specific town. Yeah, so there's a lot going for it in terms of presentation. And uh, the story itself is pretty much clear-cut where there's a bunch of people doing bad stuff and it's up for you to uh, ensure that they stop doing that. And around that premise, they managed to build a lot of interesting subplots. You can end up helping uh, a washed-out journalist try to you know, uh, get the scoop she needs. You can help a politician try to reform his speech and his candidacy so that he actually wins the election as the right guy. You can help a school teacher who's also moonlighting as a maid to, you know, uh, get a better life. So there's a lot of subplots to it that actually go a long way in augmenting your skills and capabilities in the game that actually help you towards the end game as well. Because for each person you help, that actually gives you a certain buff to your uh, to your powers. Now the powers themselves are basically personas. So you're one of the rare people in the game world who can possess multiple personas and they range from anything like uh, a thief by the a mystical thief by the name of Arsene or uh, no relation to Arsenal by the way just putting that out there or uh, or, or you know uh, uh, gi- gigantic spirits that that look like pirates and and the like so it's got a lot of variety and it's super stylish and i mean if let's put it this way if there's one game you buy and you just want to buy a game purely because of the amount of time you want to spend in it I think Persona 5 is right up there. Hmm, okay, only thing I'll tell you is that if you are concerned about getting a bad ending or something, then check out guides online that tell you what you need to do by which day. Because this game has this mechanic where every evening you're expected to hit this go to bed button and then it transforms you to the next day. Uh, so Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there. there's a ton of side activities here like uh, playing, practicing baseball, entering burger eating competitions, playing video games inside this video game. Uh, then there's also other side activities like working day jobs. You have, there are multiple jobs you can take to earn money to spend in-game or to help out people. And uh, there's this mechanic called social linking or confidence yeah. where uh, uh, the more you bond with people and the more you help other people, your own stats increase, which let you do more stuff quickly. And you get closer to your companions and all, which helps you in the dungeons and it helps you with personas and you get better personas. So there's a lot of stuff which playing, there are a lot of systems playing together. And there's also the calendar system, which is what controls the whole game. And uh, what they what they've done, we've spoken about how stylish the art style is. Even loading screens are so good that like you're happy to just see loading screens. Like even the transition from night to day is amazing. They have this very uh, stylish monochrome look of the city, and it shows clouds moving over, and then it switches to the next day, and like a dagger goes onto the calendar, yeah. like pointing at which day it is. And uh, yeah, it's really good and. Uh, it is called Persona 5, but you do not need to play the previous games before this. You can start with this. In fact, uh, a lot of people we know started playing with this game. So, yeah. Okay, then. So, finally, we've reached uh, the number one in our list. I just realized that our top three are all Japanese games. <laughs> you know, We so, have good taste. Yeah, and, and they've had a crazy good year. <laughs> yeah, they've had a ridiculously good year. Even their like 8 on 10 and 9 on 10 games have been really, really good. I think year. a lot of it has to do with the exceptional amount of polish that we've yet seen this year. It's been quite prevalent in the PS2 era, but kind of waned in the PS3 era. So it's nice to see them come back. Yeah. 
Right then, so number one is Yakuza Zero, as the name suggests. You don't need to play any previous game. <laughs> <laughs> so Yakuza is a it's a it's a very old, like now more than ten year old story driven franchise which started on the PS2 as a Ryuga Gotoku in Japan, which translates to like a dragon. It released in English as uh, Yakuza, and it actually had Mark Hamill voicing one of the main characters. Uh, and this was the only Yakuza game which had an English dub. Yakuza Zero is a prequel to the whole franchise. It takes place uh, in the 80s in Japan, set in the disco era. And uh, like Rishi and I were excited when it was about to release, but when we started playing it, both of us reviewed it. When we started playing it for review, it was just insane how good it was, how much stuff it was, and how great and well written the story and characters were. So. Yeah, it's it's amazing because like uh, what actually hooked me in was the fact that hey, you can you can bash people in the head with a bike. You can pick up a bike and beat the crap out of them. And then you can go to Club Maharaja and dance for a bit, literally. Yeah, <laughs> Club and, and, yeah that's, that's actually yeah, a that's place actually in Japan. Japan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of it, uh, it, it is a representation of, I believe, a part of Tokyo. Yes. It's called Kamurocho in yeah, game. Yeah, Kamurocho. So, so while most of the mainline Yakuza games take place in the district of Kamurocho, uh, since this is Yakuza Zero, uh, uh, which is a prequel to all of that, there's there's a part of that takes place in Sotenburi, which is uh, based on Osaka, mm. and uh, uh, Kamurocho is based on districts in uh, Japan. So w- what's interesting here is that while while the initial trailers got us interested because you know you could bash people in the head with a motorcycle and go to discos and stuff, what was re- what really worked was the storytelling uh, is actually right up there. It's 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 it basically rivals any film noir plot or any film noir you've watched in the last, at least any film noir I've watched in like almost five or seven years. And at the same time, uh, what works from a gameplay standpoint is that the combat's really easy to get into, but it stays fresh through and through. So through the 20 hours, you never get bored of the combat. And at the same time, uh, even though it takes place in a semi-open world, uh, it's super dense. So even though you're strolling down an alley, you'll find a lot of things to do in that alley. You'll find bars to get into, you'll probably get into a fight outside, uh, you'll find a side quest or two to do. So there's a lot, so it's very densely packed and uh, it, it, it's, it's really nice in that way because even though it takes place in two relatively small open worlds, I mean, let's be honest, this is not a game where you have an open world that's even as close to being as big as, uh, as Zelda. It's a, a lot smaller, a lot more contained, but you can do so much more in that space and that, that's what makes it a kind of a livable immersive experience because on one end you have these story chapters to play through but then you and then when you're done with them you can always come back to the open world elements which are surprisingly addictive and very unique so you can end up doing a weird side quest like helping a guy uh, launch a, a beta mobile phone back in the 80s you can take part in uh, track races and by track races I mean mini car races across miniature tracks and uh, you can basically even uh, help club hostesses, you know, st- uh, uh, stop getting extorted by local mm-hmm. bosses. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a lot of it, which is obviously intrinsic to Japan, but it's well done and well localized so that you never feel like you, you don't know what's going on. Uh, also, you there are two protagonists. You switch between them but whenever chapters progress and uh, the payoff in the end of the story is really good. But each of them has their own main mini game, And I say main mini game because... You can actually play old Sega classics in the arcade and it'll actually play it. You'll be controlling it on the PS4 controller. Uh, there's a cabaret management simulation game and there's real estate management. And both of these, I'd say, are almost as complex and as involved as playing a football manager game. Hmm. So you can actually spend, I know people who spend 40 hours just doing real estate management in this because it's that in-depth and detailed. So yeah, there's a ton of stuff to do and the side quests in this game actually, while some of them are obviously nonsense like find a payphone where the screen will flash and tell you, oh, you can find a payphone. There'll be another one where you have to uh, help people move across a bridge while there are statues, you know, the street performer like statues and then you end up trying to distract them by doing these weird dances on the bridge. It's crazy. Hmm. So it's it's just really, really nice. Uh, it has some QOL or quality of life issues like being able to save only at payphone locations as opposed to save everywhere, which got fixed in the next game. But uh, yeah, like despite all of that, one of the most memorable stories in gaming, some of the best voice acting in gaming and just just absolutely worth playing. And, and it released here surprisingly for only 2499. And uh, uh, I actually ended up gifting like three, four people a copy of the game because 2499 is a joke for this game. It was $60 in the US. The cheapest has been in the US since launch has been uh, 2800, which is $40 by direct conversion. 
and it it was like one of those surprise sell out games for e-express interactive it actually sold out very quickly and they had to order another batch which rarely happens for japanese games yeah it did quite well and and surprisingly enough it a lot of it had to do with the price because i mean let's be honest we we like our value if you and if you listen this far you've noticed quite a few times you brought up the price of games and how much time you get out of it and this is right up there uh and i mean it's got almost it's near perfect and that's the reason why it's the top of our it's at least the top of my list uh i mean anywhere any game in the top 3 you can't go wrong but personally this is the one simply because of uh, what you get out of it and the story itself i mean it's just near fantastic cool the next game what is it called in this uh, yakuza series so yakuza 0 is a prequel to the whole franchise using the same engine and tools they remade the first yakuza game and called it yakuza kiwami yeah that's the, the one where they had that majima anywhere yes, mode right yeah. Yeah. so yakuza kiwami didn't make it here officially because uh, deep silver still does not have an official partner for their games and that was published by deep silver yakuza 6 which is the newest mainline entry is coming here officially and is releasing in march we don't have a price yet or but it's just listed on gamesshop.com yeah. right now and the reason why we didn't put yakuza kiwami on this list is because we've ruled out every remaster and it's a yakuza kiwami is a remaster of yakuza which released it's on the remake, ps2 but yeah like we yeah. that's why we've not included mario kart 8 deluxe also exactly. yeah. so yeah so right then i think that concludes our list of top 10 games for 2017 uh, i think after listening to some of these people talk about various of their favorite games i really want to buy a nintendo switch and a ps4 pro and these games so i suppose if uh, it has had that effect on me perhaps it will have the same effect on our listeners as well so is there anything else you guys want to talk about uh, before we wrap up this episode yeah i think 2018 is going to be really really good uh i mean off the top of my head we got metro exodus monster hunter world god of war or to name a few that are coming out we even got days gone and the spider-man game mm. and uh you're gonna see a lot of live updates the titles like player unknown battlegrounds you're gonna see microsoft brings king of thieves why did you mention that i really wanted this episode to go without mentioning pubg i mean it's you can all agree it. it's battle royale <laughs> 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 no but point is it's uh, we're going to see i think 2018 is going to hopefully carry on where 2017 left off and at the same time because we're seeing regulation uh, rear its ugly head for loot boxes and microtransactions hopefully the less uh, hopefully the more uh, hopefully the less evil game companies decide to take note and play nice so yeah i mean all in all while i'm a little uh, i'm a little i'm hopeful for 2018 i'm also a little uh, worried hopefully we see more games that follow th- th- that follow the same mold as the first half of 2017 rather than games that follow the same mold of the second half of 2017 because the second half of 2017 had loot crates loot boxes microtransactions and all that sort of filth that frankly has no place after spending 60 dollars or 3499 or 4000 rupees on a game So yeah, that. true that. So 2018 is a year when Akhil buys most of the 2017 uh, top 10 games. Yeah, well, that's how it's always going to be until they realize the pricing is ridiculous. Like I was like speaking to you before this podcast, right? Mm. That for one Netflix subscription, I can only buy two AAA games, and that's ridiculous because yeah. I watch at least 50 to like 70 TV shows and movies a year. You can subscribe to, like, to Xbox One Game Pass. <laughs> yeah, and no, still don't. like that's still one third of the system, right? One fourth the system. No, yeah. don't because again, FUP. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah considering like almost 1.3 terabytes of a 1.5 terabyte fup went on xbox one x and it's first month for me yeah i know yeah. that's actually a lesser concern for me than the actual prices honestly that's all for this episode of transition and we will see you with another episode next week as always don't forget to rate us on itunes if you like the show if you have any questions comments feedback or your own top 10 at your own top 10 list to share then do write to us at podcast@cadges360.com the music for this episode comes via magnus solai paulson whose album PPP PPP is where the tracks are from thank you so much for listening